Won't you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh, that you may open our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to feel. In Jesus' name. From Disney's The Lion King to Marvel's Iron Man and myriad other movies and shows, many of which I probably haven't even seen, but the theme or motif of the prodigal son is a classic. But let's remember who told it first, Jesus. Jesus tells the parable or story of the prodigal or lost son, and since it was before the addition of animation and sound effects and CGI to tell the story, the power of Jesus' story was only in his words. This leads us to believe that every single part was deliberately crafted by Jesus to portray a certain and specific message. And every piece is intentionally included in the parable, especially noting that it is positioned after two other parables, one about a lost sheep returned and the other about a lost coin found. Now we have the lost son. Interestingly, the sheep and the coin being lost seem to use or connotate the definition of lost as something no longer possessed. While when many of us read the parable of the lost son, lost transitions away from meaning no longer possessed or held to its alternate meaning of being ruined or destroyed physically, morally, or spiritually, he is lost. There's a shift from something not being held to someone who is not made whole. A shift from a situational physical state to some sort of moral failing, mental, physical, and spiritual state that is not quite perfected. Most theologians, though, argue that the main focus of all three parables is not what or who is lost anyway but it is on the one who does the finding. The shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go and get the one. The woman who searches high and low to find the one coin. And then the father who opens his loving arms wide to receive his one lost son. The shepherd, the woman, and the father all represent God's desire to go after us, to return us again and bring us back to where we belong. But wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, are you waiting? Wait, wait, wait. The sheep wandered off. The coin is inanimate, but the son is a human and he chooses to go away. Why? Well, in his oblivious, uninformed, young, and want to be grown kind of way, he's given a lump sum of his own wealth. With none of the fiscal education, preparation, or knowledge to even handle it all. And even with the millennia or so wide time gap, I doubt that there are many essential differences between the actions of a young person today given a lump sum of money and freedom 
I doubt that that would be too different than a young person in Jesus' time given a lump sum of money and a little bit of freedom. For many of us, it may not take much reminiscing or remembering to go back and think about our first few, maybe a little more than few, paychecks. How they seemingly vanished amongst our friends, peers, late nights, early mornings. I won't judge your youthful spending if you don't judge mine. But what we may not remember is that supposed independence being ruined by a famine. Listen, we can judge this young son all day about his choices and lifestyle, but we also have to note that he definitely didn't choose the famine in verse 14. Like so many today, he didn't choose to be hungry. He didn't choose to be unhoused. He didn't choose to be in need. Poverty is never anyone's choice. And poverty indeed was the result of a catastrophic famine for this young man, and it certainly was not his choice. He's young, alone, in a strange land, and suffering. No family, no friends, no community. Oh, he worked, but it was a menial job, feeding swine for someone else, the lowest of low for a man of his upbringing and his possibly Jewish heritage. But all his labor seems to be in vain. It has no end as the text says that he was still hungry. And then we get to the verse that all the preachers love. Around verse 17, depending on your translation, it says he came to himself. He realized that He can return to his father. Now he would have to be humble, but he could be housed and no longer hungry. So what does he do? He does return. And we read on and we get to the happy ending, right? But his return is actually met with two distinct responses. First, the most obvious is his father. The text says while the young man was still far away off, his father sees him. Perhaps he's been even looking out for him, hoping for his return, but he sees him and even with some distance still between him, he said, the text says he's filled with compassion, so much so that he runs to him, puts his arms around him, and kisses him. If this isn't the kind of grace, forgiveness, and compassion of the God I know, I don't know what is. It's easy to see why this figure represents the divine. The son comes full of remorse and repenting and he's humbled and yet dad doesn't judge or blame. Dad doesn't throw the past mistakes in his face. Dad doesn't meet him with some kind of tough love or I told you so. But watch this, what the father does goes beyond being nice and welcoming. Dad is compassionate. His father goes beyond making the son work his way back in, but dad instead runs to meet him where he is. His father doesn't treat him like an outcast or the black sheep or the redheaded stepchild, but dad restores him back to his original place with robes and sandals and jewelry to match. His son isn't suddenly some strange pauper he doesn't know who must earn a relationship with his father again, but this was his son, is his son, and always will be his son. 
if I were a gambling woman, which I'm not, I bet it would bring many of us to tears if our own families treated us like this dad. Knowing we made mistakes, knowing we were young once, knowing we didn't deserve to be belittled, judged, or disowned for our young, foolish days, knowing family and their love shouldn't have to be earned or thrown away at the drop of a hat. What if we had that kind of family, one that will take you in and love you, no questions asked? We can see ourselves easily in the younger son, longing for belonging, craving compassion. If we're honest today, it's just not too hard to see ourselves in the shoes of this younger son, desirous to be received in this same way. But this father's response was just one response. There is also the elder son's response. The text informs us that not only was the boy's dad outside to see this return, but so was his big brother, who had a little bit of a different response, if you will. While dad prepares to throw a huge party in honor of his son returning home, the elder son is confused. He said to a servant or slave, if you will, uh-uh, what's happening? I hear music, there's dancing, there's singing, only to learn that this party was for his long-lost brother. The text shows us that he was outright angry and in disbelief, refusing to even go inside to the party. Now, the TGV version of this scripture, that's the Tara Gibbs version, is basically this. The big brother is throwing a toddler-sized tantrum. What about me? I was a good boy. Where is my party? You threw a party for him after what he did? Wah, wah, wah. Huff and puff. Grr. But let's set the record straight. This elder brother, angry as he was, has always had access to his father's property and goods. But he's really upset that now his brother does too because he really doesn't think he deserves it. The elder son claims to have worked like a slave, even though he isn't, and the gall to say that in front of an actual slave. The audacity to want a reward for doing the bare minimum, which at that time was just listening to his father. The elder son seems to think the youngest son hasn't suffered enough. How dare he be celebrated? and want some kind of distinction to remain between him and the brother. He's the good son who never got in trouble after all. The elder son even distances himself from his sibling, never calling him brother out loud, but says, that son of yours, to his father. The elder son claims how his brother specifically squandered his money in verse 30. I'll let you read that. But wasn't around to make that judgment. Where did that come from? The elder son is also outside when the younger returns and talks to everyone but his brother. It's the very definition of childish, if you ask me. One person's return to their community 
two very different responses. Honestly, contrasting the elder son and his father is almost a game of opposites, if you will. Whereas dad responded to the young son's return with compassion, big brother responded with critique. Where dad defaulted to forgiveness, big brother defaulted to fault finding. Dad responded with a celebration and big brother responded with consternation. Dad's response was a sweet bomb and big brother's response was a seething bitterness. Dad is concerned with restoring relationship and putting back into right place, but the big brother is concerned with distancing and division staying above the other son. Who would you rather meet upon your return to your community after you've made a few mistakes, you have some separation and some isolation, you've already been treated less than human, you had little to no choice in your life, you have done hard labor and little reward, who would you rather meet? upon returning to community. Wherever and whenever it may be, I, I think the answer is quite clear that if it needed to be said at all, I think we could pack it up right here and say amen, hallelujah, um, I think we want to see the Father, but I'm not up here today to try to get you to see yourself in that younger son and, and dream a desire of meeting this welcoming Father. I'm here actually to ask you to dig a little bit deeper. Are you ready? Too late, I am. Guess what? I need you to think about this. If you are yourselves more like the Father or are you more like the Son? When someone else is returning to your community, your household, your family, are you more like the father or are you more like the son? What do I mean? Think, think of it as the interactive part of the sermon, right? You remember the old uh, choose your own adventure stories? The 70s and 80s trends of those fantasy and cool books where you got to choose which path you take. Or maybe for some of the younger ones, the more recent Black Mirror episode where you got to choose which direction the story goes. Today, guess what? You get to choose. Will you be like the father or will you be like the son? How will you respond to the lost returning? How will you respond to someone who made youthful mistakes? How will you respond to those who society calls lost, both situationally and morally? Will you respond like the son's father or like the older? older son. Now I know you, so you answered in your head because you're a good person, right? You're wonderful, you're great, and I love you too. But now I need to ask you, if that is the case for you, what about your society and your community as a whole? How do they respond? Like father or like son? And I'm not asking this in some sort of hypothetical question. I'm not asking what you did, how you started, what you used to do. But on this day, February the 20th, 2022, will you be like the father or the son? Where? I'm glad you asked because this is a very near future question I'm asking because over 650,000 ex-offenders are released from state and federal prisons every single year. People who have served their time, paid a debt to society, 
anxiety and honestly suffered inhumane conditions, what path would the like son look like for someone returning home? I imagine that the like son path would be some of us having the means, access, and opportunity to be all we can be and still thinking that it is okay for someone recently released to get $50 and a bus pass and expect them not to recommit. I'm just thinking out loud here. I imagine that the like the sun path would be uh, thinking that I've never gone to prison, so there's nothing wrong with me. I must be a better person. I imagine that in reality, it's because you've never been caught for what you've done and or you've never been racially profiled for what someone thought you did. I'm just thinking out loud here. I, I imagine that this like sun path would be a society where there's a clear distinction that remains for those who have never been in prison and those who are free, maybe where their movements are closely monitored, perhaps by some kind of ankle bracelet electronic device or some kind of stigmatizing record that follows you for decades, or maybe having to check a yes box on every job application, knowing that that means it's an absolute no, we're not even going to read your resume, even though the debt has been paid years ago. I imagine that it would be going to the ballot box, but realize it's not an option, even though the time has been served years ago. What does the like the sun path look like? What does it look like? I think it probably would start even before the return, maybe, right? Like the sun, it would be some kind of separation from loved ones where you can't touch, no hugs, no kisses, no choice in what you do, what work you have, or where you stay, unless you earn permission to talk to your family once a month for no more than 30 minutes, or you play an inflated price for a few minutes of a spotty Zoom call, or pay an even higher premium to eat something other than the maggot-infested food served by Aramark. I imagine that if a society was on the like the sun path, that means that even with crime decreasing, we find a way to raise tax dollars to fund police spending, which has steadily increased right here in Charlotte. I'm just imagining that if we were like the sun path, what society would look like. And I think you figured out by now it's not too hard to imagine. But before I take my seat, I'm going to choose to wonder. I'm going to choose to wonder what it would look like for our society and each of us to choose to be more like the Father's path in the text. I wonder if our initial impulse, what it would look like if our initial impulse was to meet the lost where they are. I wonder what it would look like if we focused on compassion and not critique. I wonder if we welcomed first and asked questions later. If we sought forgiveness instead of fault finding. If we centered on inmate return, on relationship, on restoration, and and not distance and division, if people directly impacted by lackluster and fallible laws actually got a voting say in the passage of said laws and the politicians elected to enact them. I can't help but wonder if Mr. Willie Shaw, who was exonerated right here in Mecklenburg County just mm, a year ago, almost to date, would be the exception and not the norm of almost 3,000 plus exonerations since 1989 to date. And I can't help but wonder what it would look like if we followed the Father's path. I can't help but see Jesus calling us to be more like this Father and less like the Son. 
You know deep within yourself, you want to be received by people and a church and a society like the Father. But where is that grace and compassion and forgiveness for others? Now tell me, how will we receive our siblings into our community? We have a choice. Will we be like the Father or like the Son? Amen.